The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Kyle Brown coming to you live-ish on the On the Farm podcast, on the Pitchless Podcast Network. This is a mega show. I have two of the best of the best in the game, in the fantasy game, in the prospect world. I have my main man, Eric Cross, coming in from very north in the East Coast. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Doing well. Like we were saying before we came on the air, it was, it was a good day until uh, the Juan Soto news, but... You know, baseball is back and we get a full 162. Minor league season's about a week and a half, two weeks away. So very excited to start getting back to some live baseball games. Yeah, I cannot wait. Cannot wait for that minor league season. And uh, yeah, May the 4th. I guess May the 4th is uh, when we get that, when we get the force back. It's coming up. It is. It's right around the corner. And of course, I am joined tonight by the first lady of fantasy baseball, Shelly Bergstraight. How you doing, Shelly? Um, I'm doing fine. Um, Soto has like his little paw in a sling, so he's okay. You know, it's about like 10 days and then Soto will be right back on the field. Um, but yeah, just, uh, thanks again for having me on. No, thank you both for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, we're just going to try to, you know, on, on the, on the farm podcast, we like to do as much deep diving as we possibly can. I, I try to help out those people in the 20 teamers and the 30 teamers and then you know even the 16 teamers and they can it can get very deep out there and, and I feel like dynasty baseball is becoming dynasty fantasy baseball anyway it's becoming more and more popular as fantasy and, and information just becomes more readily available and you, you need the next person and sometimes that next person is lurking way 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 deep on the rankings so yeah I'm happy you guys are able to come on and talk about some players outside of the top 200 tonight yeah thanks for having me on looking forward to this Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, Eric, Eric's got, he, he, both these, both these fine, fine people fit, fit the on the farm into a, just a ravenous podcast schedule. So I really appreciate uh, you guys both making the time. I know that, uh, I mean, heck there's baseball on right now. So you're not watching baseball. You're talking to me. So I, I, I appreciate that immensely. Um, so yeah, we will, uh, we'll just get right into it. Talk about, we're just going to have, uh, three names outside of the top 200. Shelly's using her top 200. Eric is using the fan tracks top 200 that he produces. And I decided to pick some names off of that tonight. So yeah, Eric, who's, uh, who's your first name you want to chat about? I could have picked 
I, I had a debate between like seven or eight players that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so it was a hard decision, but first one I really like uh, from, it was from this past draft. Owen Casey went to the Padres in the second round, then went to the Cubs in the U Darvish deal. Big power speed guy, 6'4", 190, kind of lanky frame, plenty of room to fill out. He's already flashed plus raw power, and I think once he adds some bulk to that frame, which you imagine he's going to do at least a little bit, he could push double plus raw power territory. But at the same time, usually you lose a little bit of speed there. So maybe he's only a around an average to a slightly above average runner uh, when that bulk gets added on. But you got to wonder how much he's going to hit, though. That's kind of the thing is the hit tool going to be there. He's a prep bat out of Canada, you know, a little bit raw. Uh, kind of those long, lanky levers lead to a bit of longer swing, some chase issues. But if he can get to around average you know, an average hit tool, which I think it's, it's, it's in play. It's not, it's not like he's a 30 hit type of guy. He's, he's like 45 hit or so right now, I think, with, with the potential to get up to 50 hit. If he can get up there just to hit like 250, 260 or so, you know, keep his OBP, you know, solid 320, 330 or, or above, I think that'll play with that power and speed where he could be a 25-plus homer bat, add in, you know, around 10 to 15 steals or so at peak. Big time power speed guy, and then the Cubs have done well with developing hitting prospects. So I, I, I like the system he's in, like the raw tools. This Cubs got to mold him a little bit, but the uh, the raw tools are there for him to be a, a highly valuable fantasy player. Yeah, I was digging into him a little bit today, and it you know he's he's one of those he's a cold weather kid. You know, Canada yep. it's pretty much well, it's all cold, all of it, um, <laughs> all of it <laughs> from, from top to bottom. So yeah, that 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 can be one of those things where tools can be lurking in, uh, in, in what warm weather can potentially bring with, with solid development. It seems like the Cubs have a little bit of a type here as well with sort of Jordan Uwogu and, uh, mm, and even yep. Brennan Davis just a little bit, even though he has, uh, he has given us a little bit more hit tool than maybe some thought initially, but just a couple of power speed options there sort of all is he is uh, he's currently listed as an outfielder, correct? Yeah. I, I think he's going to be a corner outfielder. He's got a strong arm. He moves fairly well, but I think once he adds bulk, he probably um, stays in a, in a corner outfield role. But yeah, good, good arm for it though. So I think I think he'll fit there. Yeah, cold weather kids are uh, are always tricky because it's you know you, you you just there's a lot of in a lot of ways you just don't know what you have. I mean, and I am uh, I'm currently thinking of like Quinn Priester right now. You know, coming from cold weather and and not necessarily having much uh, much development, and all of a sudden he gets a pitching coach, he gets some rap Soto stuff, and. Oh, sky's the limit. So yeah, that, yeah, it, 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 it's tough. These, you know, I live in I live in Maine, so you know, I know. And obviously, I was, you know, I didn't play past high school, but you know, being in a, especially up in Canada too, that's even even colder and further north than Maine is. So you know, we we weren't able to start getting on the field. Like we still have snow in the field end of March, so it's it's harder for these cold weather kids. They don't have quite as much time to get out on the field. Yeah, you can get stuff some work done in the cage and and whatnot, but. Yeah, it's definitely a, a slight disadvantage. Or you play a little bit more catch up when you're a cold weather, you know, northern uh, player like Casey is. Yeah, are you worried at all about you know? Do you have a sort of a, a rule of thumb or a guiding principle when it comes to because there's cold weather kids and then there's Canadian kids, right? And <laughs> is is uh, is it a is it a situation where you're worried about lack of competition coming from sort of a, a much smaller pool of uh, available you know opponents when it, when you're coming from Canada? 
A little bit. I don't, I don't worry too much about that, but you know, it is a valid point. Obviously there's not, you know, elite level competition up there. You know, no, no knock to the Canadian competition at all, but it's, it's not a prime, you know, baseball hotspot, let's say. So yeah, there is a slight concern there, but you know, with someone as you know young as Casey, I think he just turned 19. I look more so at the tools and see what the, what the Cubs have to work with. So that's what gets me more excited. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he looks, you know, in the minor leagues this year. He's, he's one I'm keeping a really close eye on. Yeah, maybe he can uh, he can follow in Jason Bay's footsteps. And you know, there was a time when we were a little worried about the hit tool there, and the power and the speed were sort of there. And you know, it all sort of came together for a time. And Red Sox enjoyed a little bit of that Jason Bay love. <laughs> so know, we got that big year in 2000 and. Oh, Shelly, when was that big Jason Bay year when he hit like 37 bombs or something like that? 2009, oh, 10, something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. How much in that range? Yeah. That one year we had him. <laughs> Every now and again, you know, it all it all came together for Mr. Bay. He was on the team when I was a when I was a season ticket holder for the Pirates, and he was uh worth the price of admission, which was four dollars i believe is what it came down to <laughs> so yeah i'm not exactly helping the bottom line but that's okay they're not going to spend it properly um <laughs> shelly do you have any uh, any thoughts on uh Owen? how do you say it again eric cassie i've i've said casey and i've yet to been corrected but it might be cassie i know that that eye kind of throws me off in the middle yeah i wasn't not sure what to do with I've that yet eye. to hear a correct pronunciation or been told otherwise so i'm gonna roll with it till i'm told something okay. else yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, Shell, if you have any thoughts on Owen Casey, lay them on us or, uh, or hit us with your, uh, your first player. Uh, yeah, I mean, Owen Casey, like I, I'm really, um, really excited to see what he does. Uh, the, the, you know, the Cubs really kind of made out pretty well with that, that Darvish trade. Um, a lot of like really interesting bets. Um, so just everyone in that trade, I'm really watching. Um, but I guess I'll kind of just kind of roll into to my first player here. Um, I'm going to go with maybe like an old friend. I don't know. Um, Nick Prado. Um, yeah. So he was a 14th overall pick back in 2017. Um, I was all on board. Um, I just thought this guy was going to hit, hit, hit. And then he didn't hit. He didn't hit for a couple years. And it, it was really kind of like looking bad. Um, you know, he, in 2018 and 2019 in low A and high A. Um, I mean, in, in low A, he was doing all right. But then in 2019 in high A, um, he just he just hit a wall. Um, you know, he only hit one, uh, 191, had a 73 weighted uh, runs created plus. Um, it was kind of like really interesting. The, the uh, Kansas City their high A in 2019, basically all the hitters like underperformed. Uh, it was just really odd. Um, but, you know, he worked um, in the off season between 2019 and, and, and 2020. Um, and he basically made like this really big, um, just, you know, just swing adjustment. He, you know, he adjusted his lower half where he wasn't, he was, he started to use it more instead of just being like so stiff. And it just really, just really helped um, with his hitting and his power. It was like, it was definitely louder. It was harder, just everything. And, you know, in spring training, again, it's spring training, but, you know, he hit 345, 406, 862. And just, there were been, you know, I was reading on uh, Baseball America where 
all like a lot of scouts were like, oh, wow, Nick Prado looks like the guy who we thought he was going to be um, when he was drafted. And, you know, uh, Kansas City's manager, Mike Matheny, um, was was interviewed by MLB.com. And he's like, yeah, this guy, like he is like one of the guys that has just like absolutely transformed from 2020 spring training uh one point uh uh, the the first spring training and then into you know spring training 2021 like this this is a guy who was just really transformed and just knowing how much I liked him before and now that he has made a total swing adjustment and we're seeing things uh seeing it actually just kind of come out on the field um I I'm I'm buying back in I'm buying back into Nick Prado okay yeah I mean I think old friend is a good way to put that I I definitely fell under the spell of Mr. Prado a little bit because he's supposed to have some pretty good contact abilities maybe taking over the 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 gap left by Eric Hosmer leaving the Royals and maybe he was gonna you know slide right in there but yeah I mean tangible changes with uh with with swing adjustments and I, I guess tangible Changes that lead to tangible results, I guess, are interesting. Uh, Eric, what do you what do you feel about Prado? Yeah, he he's an interesting one, and like Shelly said, you know, she kind of hit it on the head. Where all of the players on on uh, Lexington struggled. Like Celia Matisse was terrible. Um, MJ Melendez was terrible. Like all the hitters that everyone was excited for in that system really just floundered all at the same time. The good thing with Prado is is his gold glove caliber defense. That's to give him a longer leash than most. Like if he was a even just an average defender, uh, I'd be I'd be more worried about him because you know his defense is going to keep him in the lineup when he gets a chance, and actually it'll give him a longer leash than if he just had average defense. Like all right, he's still providing value with the defense. That'll give us a little more time to see if the bat comes around. And like Shelly mentioned, he looked very good. You know through alt site last year in the spring training this year like the power just gotta see how the hit tool is and he's he's always been you know has the propensity to swing and miss too much and i think his k rate i wrote it down here if i wrote it down yes yeah, k rate was around 35 percent 2019 30 percent uh for his pro career so that's a little bit of a worry it does walk a fair amount around nine and a half percent but i think it's just to be if he can make enough contact and cut down on the swing and miss i think he could be a a solid bat and maybe not a star, but someone that can give you, you know, 20 plus home runs, decent enough average, you know, and then that defense as well. And he's even can add a little bit of speed too. He's, you know, I, I don't think he's a, you know, steal as much as he did in the minor leagues where he had 49 steals in 303 games, but you know, maybe he's one of those first basemen that can add five, six, seven steals annually he moves fairly well around average foot speed. So yeah, definitely in Prado is intriguing. This would be, a, I think this would be a big make or break year for Nick Prado. Anyone who can add five to seven steals from, from any position at this point, I, I definitely, you know, it's a, it's a value, you know, those, those right. little, those little ticks, they, they, uh, they add up towards the end of the year, especially if you're playing Roto Prado Prado for me might be someone who, how shall you say uh, I've soured on just because I tend to uh, react emotionally when players uh, don't do well that I thought were going to do well. And then I keep them in the doghouse longer than I should. <laughs> and then they pop, and I'm forced to pay up actual, you know, real dollar bills for them. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, I, I guess I also don't love, you know, after, after everything sort of came together for Kansas city and they won that world series, I just, I don't have any insider info when it comes to their, their development system, but I, I just don't love 
the things that have come out of Kansas City. And it's probably something that I'm holding against Bobby Witt more than I should because the talent is obviously there. But I just there's something about they just seem to not. There's a lot of these stories where I mean, you know, Alex Gordon had a great career, but I've just there's been so many of these times where they don't seem to get as much out of some of the talent that they have. And, you know, it's not like Eric Hosmer was bad for them or anything, but I'm just, you know, the swing changes is, makes me happy. And I think the results that are going to come from that, hopefully when we get some, you know, when we get some minor league games here soon, will be awesome to watch. And it's definitely something that for, for everyone to keep tabs on. And he, if he could be one of those stories where maybe the lost season and not slogging through a minor league year, just having to play games and not having the time to actually put in some work to make some changes, you know, there, my sort of initial reaction when, when we got all this time off was, Oh, this is going to be really bad for a lot of minor leaguers. And there's definitely some that are going to, you know, have, have been hurt, but for everyone that's hurt, I, I feel like I'm seeing more and more stories of players that had the time to really focus on one aspect of their game that was lacking that maybe, you know, playing a full season, they wouldn't have actually had the ability to do that because they would have been, you know, bogged down in the schedule. So it's just, it's something we've never really had in baseball is that sort of extended period of time off with no one playing any games anywhere. So it's just, it's, it's very interesting to see the fruits of that. And, you know, some of them are rotten and some of them are absolutely incredible. Yeah, for sure. And like we had uh, about this time last year, so sometime early to mid April, kind of when, pandemic was really starting to ramp up and on um, one of my podcast five tool with uh, Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roche, we had both Cody Hosey and Shane Boz on. It was, so it was really intriguing to see, you know, what players, and this is before, obviously before the alt sites and all that. So just seeing what players were doing just to, you know, stay loose, stay ready, you know, do, do their trainings, home gyms and backfields near their, their parents' house and, you know, uh, Cody Hosey's from, I believe, Indiana. It's like he was back at, back home and, you know, using his high school field and whatnot and just seeing what they could do to stay, you know, stay ready. And then those players that did not get the invite to the alt site, uh, yeah, so a little bit of lost development time there, um, didn't have the resources that others did. So, yeah, it's, this would be a very intriguing year in general, just following what we, you know, dealt with last year. Yeah. It's, it's, and none, none of us have any idea. So it'll be, and you know, like Alec Manoa, I think started a gym with his brother uh, down in Florida and they just trained and went crazy. And he had, he had quite a spring uh, for, for the Blue Jays. I'm, he's a big boy. I'm excited to see what he might do when he uh, is going to eat up some, some minor leaguers this year. But I, anyway, I, I digress. I'll get to my guy. The first person I want to talk about is uh, from an organization that I've started to like more and more. Talked about a little bit last week, but it is Ethan Small of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, six foot four, 220, definitely has like a starter's look to him, 24 years old, coming out of Mississippi State. And one of the reasons I, I like him, and I think he's someone that I really want to keep a close watch on, not only because I think if he performs well this year, that he has a chance to, to come up and pitch the Brewers at some point, maybe towards the end of the year, maybe it's more of a cup of coffee, depending on how much they need and how much they're in it. But he he pitches with a high level of deception because he basically has a different timing mechanism for every pitch he throws. And I don't mean every fastball slider changeup. I mean, every single pitch that he throws from the mound, he holds his leg up there for some amount of time or no amount of time. And I mean, the balance is, is out of control to be able to do that and still pretty consistently throw strikes, which he has been able to, he hasn't really had any, any walk issues despite all the variation he comes with uh, when it comes to, you know, throwing pitches, but his fastball 
without that deception might not be fantastic. And it can sort of sit in the high, you know, high 80s, 80, 88 to, to 90, 91. I did see some, you know, some 92s in spring training, but they didn't necessarily sustain. But Milwaukee has shown a decent ability to get more out of fastballs from guys. And so if that's something that they can do with small, and then you bring in his curveball and his changeup, and then you add in the pitchability, the deception. I mean, he, he, he was incredible in his last year in Mississippi State, uh, 176 Ks in 106 innings with only 32 walks. His initial turn in A-ball, you know, 31 Ks in 18 innings with only four walks. He, he definitely knows what he's doing on the mound. And if he's in the right organization to tease out a little bit more velocity to let that fastball play up, and to let his deception be even more devastating, potentially, you know, he's someone who could really, really thrive. And he's, he's in a good, uh, he's in a good division uh, for pitching, I would say, and, and who, who knows how much that'll actually show up on the, on the stat line, but his competition in the NL central is not going to be incredible. So yeah, he's, he's just someone uh, that I've been, I've been keeping a close eye on. And I, I just like watching him pitch because of that weird thing he does with, uh, with holding his, his delivery. And yeah, I don't know what, uh, anyone have any thoughts on, on Ethan small, you guys excited for, uh, for what he can bring to the table. I'll, I'll start with you, Shelly. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, this was one of the guys that, uh, when you sent over the names, um, earlier today, I'm like, Oh, this is the guy I wanted to talk about Ethan small. Like I, I, I really am excited. Um, like he brings, um, you know, that, that fastball, he brings also the command and just, Kind of like what Milwaukee has kind of done recently um, with guys like Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Yeah, these guys weren't like at the top of, you know, uh, pitching prospect like lists or whatever, but they just seem to figure out how to get more out of them. And then just knowing that Small also has that, um, that, that, that command right. That's already there. And maybe the, you know, in the major league level, maybe some of his stuff can play up more. I'm very excited to um, see, see what he does. And I mean, I, I've picked him up in a couple of dynasty leagues because um, he's been on the waiver wire. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to take a, a gamble on this because I, I love the skill set currently. And I just think that it can, you know, go just a little bit further. Yeah. Eric, you, uh, you a small man. You know, I wasn't much at first, but I've warmed up to Ethan Small. I'm still not like huge on Ethan Small because I, I want to see um, more consistent breaking ball. You know, the, the fastball, like you mentioned, the velocity isn't great. Like, uh, you know, 90, 91, uh, topping out 92, 93. But, you know, the command that he has and, and the movement that he gets on that kind of make it more of a, a slightly above average pitch, good change up. I, I want to see a more of a established breaking ball and, it's interesting because with his stuff, you wouldn't expect him to have the, the K rates that he's had. And again, you know, throughout both the minor leagues and in college, like he had a 35% strikeout rate in college and it was a ridiculous 47% uh, in 2019, albeit in 21 innings, but he's shown the ability to miss bats, but you got to wonder when he gets into the upper minors, does that continue as he gets closer to to uh, I'm in Miami closer to Milwaukee um, but he's definitely an intriguing one. I, I like that command and control that like you both mentioned. Uh, but I would like him a bit more if I saw some uh, improvements from the breaker. Yeah, I watched a few of his starts uh, this offseason because that was 
what there was to do. And <laughs> I got that, I got that minor league baseball TV subscription. So, go. and you know, he, I agree there, there were times when that wasn't very crisp and, you know, he's sort of relying a lot on that, on that deception, which is good because he knows what he's doing at the same time. Once you get to that, those higher levels and the talent is there, that little deception is not going to majorly majorly baseball players are going to expose that pretty quickly if if right. all the other stuff is not falling in line so yeah I, I i tend to be a bit of a junkie for command dudes for 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 sort of deception for for guys that make the most out of their skills and maybe add a little bit uh, uh how shall you say results just based on pure sort of intelligence and not just flame throwing and you know that can be that can be good and that can be very bad for my fantasy team. Sometimes I can fall too deep in love with with guys that don't actually have the talent. But uh, yeah, uh, well that's, that's good. I, I definitely got small in a lot of places, so I'm hoping that they get him up to 93, 94, and that the the curve really just becomes a, a devastating weapon for him from the left side. But uh, we shall continue, Eric. Let's uh, let's talk about your your second player. Yeah, another 2020 draftee. Didn't plan this out, but just the two hitter names I picked here. Kobe Mayo, uh, fourth rounder, went to the Baltimore Orioles, who have a, a much improved player development org. I know kind of going to Baltimore was almost like the kiss of death a few years, you know, handful of years back, especially if you were a pitcher. But uh, definitely an org on the rise with their player development team that they have there in place now. And Mayo is one, even though he's only a fourth round pick, so you wouldn't think there would be a lot of buzz around him. You know, there's a good amount of talent here, you know, most, mostly his double plus raw power. I, I think he can be a 30 plus homer bat at the major league level, um, especially, you know, hitting at Camden Yards and all the other hitter friendly environments in the AL East. Like the AL East is just a great place to be a hitter, right? Because you got Camden Yards, you got Yankee Stadium, you got Fenway, you got, you know, when you know, they go back to the Rogers center, you'll have that. And then obviously they're playing in a hitter friendly park now anyway, in, in Dunedin and then Tampa Bay is probably the most pitcher friendly. That's still, I think like a middle of the road. So a lot of good hitter hitting environments there that, you know, he'll play, you know, at least probably what around two thirds to three quarters of his games in. So you got to love that with that power. Um, you know, with, with him, he's a big guy, six, five, two, ten, strong frame, but again, the longer levers so has been, you know, some chase issues, but he's still young. He's only 19. You know, he was a high school kid from Stoneman Douglas that people, people know that name, but not for a good reason. Um, so I think he can, you know, with the, the good player development org, I have confidence they can kind of maximize Mayo as a hitter and get him to at least earn like a 50 hit. I don't think it'll ever be like 55, 60 hit or anything like that, but uh, 50 hits with, you know, a good approach. Like, he's shown some good selectiveness and ability to drive the ball to all fields. It's not, he's like a dead pull hitter or anything like that. Um, but whether he stays at third, that's the question. He's not the quickest dude around. Doesn't have the greatest range. He's a good arm, but doesn't really move well at third from what I've seen on video. So maybe a move across the diamonds in order. And he's a first baseman long-term that'd probably be where I'd bet that he ends up at first base. But even if he does end up there, said that power will play there. And I, I don't think he's going to be a hitter that hurts you in average. I said, I think they'll at least maximize him up to around 50 hits. So he's hitting, you know, 260, 270 or so in that range instead of like 240, um, which is, you know, what Bobby Dahlbeck's doing right now. I think he's a Dahlbeck power with better contact skills, but 
so that's something to be definitely excited about. So yeah, he's definitely one I'm going to be very intrigued by moving forward and someone I think could really shoot up rankings and maybe, you know, by this time next year, if he has a good debut this year, could be a guy that's pushing top 100 on a lot of rankings. So really like Kobe Mayo. If I was a announcer, which I wish I was, but I'm not. If I was, <laughs> I'd be very excited. I would want everything to happen for Kobe Mayo just for the just for the home run calls that I might be able right. to put together with that last name, you know? Can you imagine uh, John Sterling from the Yankees with this name? Oh, I can't even know. <laughs> Slather some mayo on that. <laughs> something, yeah, something like that. Oh, I guess we're getting double mayo on the sandwich from Kobe today. Uh, yes. All right. I can still see it, you know, being on, on Baltimore if, you know, someone on the Yankees strikes out mayo, be like, oh, hold the mayo on that one or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You got crab cakes down there. Come on. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, no, I, uh, and yeah, I think the, the Orioles draft this year is a little bit, you know, they're, they're outside the first round picks. They saved a little bit of cash with, uh, with Kyrgyzstad, if I'm not mistaken. So, you yeah. know, some of their other guys like Haskin, uh, you know, also comes to mind this year that there's, there's the, the Orioles might have a little bit more going on. I totally agree. It's an organization that is on the rise. It used to be I used to just avoid like the plague, but now, you know, now I'm sort of like, Oh, place for the Orioles. Probably pretty good. But, uh, but, but, but Shelly, you're sort of down that neck of the woods. What are you, uh, are you a male male lady? <laughs> yes. Uh, please uh, put some, <laughs> some extra mayo on my, uh, I don't know, ham sandwich or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm really, really, um, uh, you know, excited to see like what he does. Um, because I mean, Eric's analysis was like just spot on. Um, like Eric, do you think that he could be kind of like a Ryan Mountcastle? He goes from, you know, the left side of the infield over to the right side, just based on defense. Do, do you think that he has like that amount of hit to one power there? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think he might have a bit more power and maybe slightly less hit tool than Mountcastle, but yeah, I think that's definitely like overall value wise. I think they could be pretty close long term. Yeah. Nice. Love it. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 all in and I'm I'm really excited to see, you know, where he starts um and just see what he does because he he definitely is a very intriguing talent. Yeah, anyone with that light tower power, you gotta you gotta keep tabs on through those those first years. And he's you know, and I, I say this a bunch, but he in, in terms of a fantasy perspective, he's the kind of player that could demolish early uh early levels and uh, allow you to to flip him well before you know he gets maybe exposed a little bit uh in in the higher levels and hey if it all comes together hopefully you got something good for him but i like you know i like players that i don't necessarily have to worry too much maybe about those early levels because they can they can build their value and it gives me more options to to flip them or you know continue to to let them appreciate on my roster yeah so and anything like that and if, hey, if he's Bobby Dalbeck with a little bit more contact, uh, I'm in. That's that's solid. I would love to give Bobby Dalbeck a little bit more contact, but you know, that's <laughs> not, <we> yeah, <laughs> that's not, that's not the world we live in, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, right before I get to my player, we are going to pause and hear from our sponsor. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to 
all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcherless community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. Man, that sponsor is something else. I uh, actually used the weed whacker myself. My nose is looking primo right now. As you can all see on the Zoom, I, I, will, not, I will not go in depth for you, though. <laughs> so uh, this next name I'm going to bring up is someone that sort of sat outside the top 200. And uh, for most people, frankly, he was off my radar because he's coming from an organization that is just dripping with talent. And uh, he's someone who has hit well to start the year, got given an opportunity, uh, plays a lot of positions, and that is Zach McKinstry for the Dodgers. And, you know, with what the Dodgers were, were sporting and what they always have right now and just in terms of depth of talent and, uh, and just options galore when it comes to their minor league system and their major league team, frankly – you know, McKinstry, I heard rumors of like, oh, maybe he's sort of like a, he's sort of like the replacement for Chris Taylor, or he's sort of a Max Muncius kind of guy. He can play a lot of positions, hit tools, not overwhelming, you know, sort of overall level of production isn't overwhelming. Um, but as I have watched him more, because I've been watching a lot of late night Dodgers games, because that's my, it's generally my evening is, uh, is West Coast games. I, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him at the plate. Uh, he had a little bit of a power surge in 2019, as a lot of players did, especially those playing in the PCL. Um, but I was, you know, he, he has, he's hit well against lefties. He's a left-handed hitter. He can play second. He can play third. He can play outfield. I bet if you put him at shortstop, he'd be, he'd be okay, at least for a few innings. But I like that versatility when it comes to the fantasy side of things. I like that he's playing for the Dodgers and that they're actually giving him, you know, some run out. And he has commanded his at bats in a way that doesn't look like a rookie. That's generally been my eye test takeaway from Zach McKinstry right now. Um, his zone contact percentage is 90, 93.2%, which is near the top of the level for, uh, for a lot of major leaguers right now, very early returns on all that. You know, he, I'm sure that we will learn more about Zach McKinstry and the league will adapt and, 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 and challenge him, but he's held his own, uh, especially in some of these big positions, you know, late in games versus the Padres. He's not, he's not just a seven, eight hitter and, and onto the next, he definitely has, has played well. He's, he's got a decent hit tool from what I can tell. And I love the, the defensive, the defensive versatility and, and what he can do for my roster. I can slot him in. And the concern was maybe that, you know, he would sort of get chewed up by the, the Dodgers organization and not actually get the playing time needed to, to develop his skills. But as it stands right now, he's pretty much playing every day somewhere on the field. Uh, and as more people go down with injury, it, and he doesn't, it looks like he's going to continue to get regular bats in a pretty beefy organization. Um, so it's, it's a player that I didn't know all that much about, frankly, going into, uh, going into this year. But I've been pleasantly surprised with, with what I've seen so far. Uh, Eric, what do you, uh, how do you feel about Zach McKinstry over there in uh, Dodger land? Yeah, I like Zach McKinstry. You know, he's never really stood out coming up through the minor leagues. Like he doesn't have any plus tool 
but he can just do a lot of things well. He's going to be one of those guys I think is going to be highly valuable to a major league team. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, how much does he play once, you know, Bellinger's back and Betts is back in the lineup 100%. He'll still play because he's the type of player that Dodgers love. Like, you know, they've had Chris Taylor for many years, Kike Hernandez until this past year. Now that Kike is uh, over here in Boston, they just like having a couple of these guys that can play multiple positions, uh, can hit fairly well. And that is McKinstry in a nutshell, you know, kind of really came on in the last couple of years in the minor leagues. And you mentioned 2019, he really popped with that power. I think if he's given the chance to be an everyday player, which I'm not sure happens in at least not like a full 150 plus start player uh, for the Dodgers, just because all the other options they have, I think he could be a guy that hits, you know, for a solid average. I mean, 270 to 280 average, 20 or so home runs. I think he could be above average hit above average uh, raw power. But just does he play? And I think he's, I think the Dodgers are going to keep him in that. Chris, and you know, Chris Taylor's not going to be around forever. So he might be the next kind of Chris Taylor that gets four or five starts a week and is always there, kind of holding on fantasy value, but never ever gets to the point where we hope he could be until he leaves the Dodgers. But McKenzie's just a very good ball player. That's, that's the easiest way to describe it. He's just a very good all-around ball player. He mentioned the versatility. He's a good defender, can play kind of all over the diamonds, outfield, multiple infield spots. So he's a – if I was a Dodgers fan, I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him on the Red Sox. But uh, for fantasy, this might be a good time to sell high because there's a lot of buzz around him with how he started, and it's definitely warranted. But uh, I think you can get a pretty penny for him right now. Yeah, and it's especially with him continuing to play around the diamond and gaining some eligibility, depending on the system yeah. you play in, that's certainly something that uh, that you can sell people on. I think, yeah, maybe maybe the maybe he's Chris Taylor on the high end, but maybe Kike Hernandez is as far as the Dodgers used him and utilized him, sort of sort of on the low end. But yeah, no standout tool, but also no glaring weaknesses. And right. Shelly, have you had, had a chance to check out McKinstry this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like this guy. Um, um, just like Eric said, like, he's just a guy who can just, you know, he's just a good baseball player and, you know, he can just really hit and he's in a really good org. Like he's in the Dodgers. Like as long as you can make contact and hit the ball, you're probably going to do pretty well if you play for the Dodgers. Just, yeah. But yeah, I, I really do think that he's going to be like a Chris Taylor type, you know, Kike Hernandez type, just a guy who, um can you know we'll go on hot streaks here and there really fill in I mean I just picked him up on in in my tout wars league because I really needed some 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 outfield help so you know I'm I'm just I'm all in um but uh yeah I I really really like this guy speaking of how is how is that how's the early returns on that tout league going for you where (sighs) where do you stand Pitching is great. Uh, pitching is great. Hitting is not so great. So I'm trying to figure out that situation. But then I also had Giolito and Dustin May going this week. Um, so yeah, woof, yeah, so woof, idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I need to do a little bit more work on the offense, and uh, the pitching is okay outside of this week. But uh, it's it's okay. I'm I'm holding my own. Yeah, Eric, are you? I, I I can't remember. Are you in a tout right now? Yeah, I'm in the draft and hold. Uh, I've actually been doing pretty well. I'm in third right now, but I was in first for a few days as of a few days ago. Kind of been in the top five for most of the season. Pitching is doing very well. 
hitting is kind of middle of the pack. I was actually fairly high in a lot of the, you know, counting stats, but my OBP has been pathetic. Uh, I think I was last in OBP last time I checked. Uh, so I got guys like Keston here. Yeah. So um, yeah, hopefully I could hold my own. until some of my, you know, it's obviously draft notes. So 50, 50 uh, players deep. So hopefully some of my prospects can come up mid season and give me a little bit of a boost there, but yeah, so far so good. Yeah. Well, it's early yet. Yeah. There's, there's, there's been a bunch of injuries. I'm not in any of these, uh, these high powered industry leagues, but my, my team that I drafted in a dynasty baseball championship from the prospects live crew, I actually auto drafted one pick, uh, sadly, and it was ended up being you Darvish, but that's just giving me like this powerhouse team, uh, for the first year. We'll see how it happens uh, four or five years from now. I don't know if it's right. going to be that great, <laughs> but Hey, if I can get my money back in the first year, everything else is gravy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I've even lost Cattell Marte there, as I've lost him everywhere, because I have 100% shares. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about Cattell Marte, because it's too sad. Um, so yeah, Eric, uh, round it out with uh, with your third, or maybe your cheat, three and four. Yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but you gave me the go-ahead, so I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Because they're basically the same kind of prospect. So I'm going to go out to the Arizona Diamondbacks with Corbin Martin and J.B. Bukowskis. Martin got his debut with Houston back in 2019 and Bukowskis just got the call. I think it was, they called him up yesterday. I, so I think both of them are going to be pen arms long-term because they both got good stuff. You know, they both got three to four pitches that great as above average to plus, you know, they both can miss bats at a high clip, but each of them has some serious command and control issues. Uh, both are 40 grade command and control. I wouldn't even, put fringe average on either of those grades for either of those players. So I think these are the types of guys that end up in the pen. Um, but hey, if you want some, you know, I, I hate paying for saves. I really, especially in dynasty leagues, I hate paying for saves. So I t- I'll try to find some of these guys that I think, you know, the electric arms that I think could end up as bullpen arms long-term, like Shane Boz, another example of that. It could be Braylon Marquez, maybe, you know, Shane McClanahan, Garrett Crochet, guys like that. Um, try to get them when they're prospects. I don't have to pay out the wazoo to get, you know, Liam Hendricks or something like that. Um, when, when in the majors. So I think, well, I think one of these two is going to be the, you know, the long-term closer for the diamondbacks, at least, you know, in the next few years, because they have a lot of pitching depth. So they can afford to you know, bump one or both of these guys to the bullpen. Like not everybody can start, right. You only have, there's so many starts to go around and they have a very deep, you know, group of pitching prospects, you know, Blake Walston's one I'm super high on uh, Bryce Jarvis and Slade Ciccone that who they just drafted are both advanced prep arms that project the starters. Uh, uh, who else is in there? Luis Frias. So they got a lot of art and obviously they got Zach Callen at, the, at yeah. the helm too. So I think they can afford to bump a couple of the, these guys to the bullpen and, and maybe they're the, eighth and ninth inning guys in the next couple of years. I think that definitely could be a possibility because there's really nobody locking down that back end for uh, Arizona right now. So I think Bukowski could even maybe factor into the closer mix this year, depending on how that bullpen shakes out. He could be at least getting some opportunities. So uh, definitely a couple of guys, if you want to get some cheap, spe- you know, uh, not, not cheap speed, uh, cheap saves now and, get these guys where their price tags are pretty reasonable and dynasty and hopes that one of them does get the closure job. I think that could be a worthwhile investment. It's, it certainly could be. I, you know, Arizona is an organization that I haven't 
loved their track record, but they seem to be hopefully turning the corner at the very least, you know, going with a, with a, like you said, there's a lot of options. I even like, uh, like a Matt Tabor, um, yeah. sort of in that lurking in that organization, but, uh, and, and Bukasis, I believe just, just got the call. So Shelly, you got, uh, got any takes on either of these, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks pitchers that could, uh, be a little starter, be a little pen, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I have a Corbin Martin in a lot of places. Um, I did pick him up in like a lot of like, uh, you know, for uh, first year player draft, uh, just kind of like redraft kind of uh, stuff um, in some of my, um, you know, dynasty or uh, redraft leagues, um, because I do believe that Arizona is going to give him um, some time um, coming forward. And then when it comes to Bukaskis, um He's definitely um, a guy that I'm definitely watching. I need saves pretty much everywhere because just like Eric, I I I I don't you know I don't really uh, draft uh, for closers when it comes to um, you know dynasty leagues and stuff like that. And honestly, a lot of my redraft leagues, I just hate paying for closers. And then when I did pay for closers, you know, it just, you know, it just went down the toilet. Um, so yeah, the Bukaskis, when, whenever he makes his debut for the Diamondbacks, I will be watching because I do think that he'll, you know, you know, be the closer uh, for the Diamondbacks, you know, maybe second half of this year. You certainly could. I mean, it's, it's, it's wide open there and uh, there's, there's opportunity if you can uh, come on and pitch a little bit and show you have the mentality to do it. They will, they'll, they'll let you run a little bit. Definitely seems like it. So two names to, to certainly keep an eye on who, uh, who you bring into the table with your third player, Shelly. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I don't, I don't know why this guy doesn't seem to get as much hype as I think that he should, but uh, Hunter Brown, um, for the Houston Astros, um, he's a, you know, he's a starting pitcher. Um, but I, I don't know, like I, I keep like doing like some deep dives and I'm like, why is this guy not giving some more love? Um, so Hunter Brown, uh, he has about, he has four pitches, uh, basically his fastball curveball are both plus and he has a slider and changeup that, you know, pretty about average. Right. So, I mean, if you get two above above average pitches and two just kind of average pitches that's not you know that's a pretty good you know combination there um and then over the you know 2020 season you know so last summer he also added some velocity so where his fastball is sitting in the upper 90s that is very interesting um, and I don't think that he's getting a lot of love because, I mean, he missed a lot of time because he had TJ and then, you know, the pandemic and we just didn't really see him for a while. But just everything that I'm reading um, about him and just the velocity that he's adding in just everything um, over last summer into like the offseason, I'm really, really intrigued. And also Houston, they're really good at developing pitching like they just get whatever they just get the most out of their pitchers um so i am all in on just you know getting hunt hunter brown just really wherever i can because i really do think that he could be you know you know maybe a number two number three type of starter um and maybe a little bit more um because again like he's coming off of tj in a big long gap but i kind of believe in houston and I believe in Hunter Brown. Um, 
So I'm, I'm all in on this guy. Eric, I think you, uh, you have some Hunter Brown feelings. You, uh, you agree with Shelly or you're going to temper some, you're going to go higher than that. What do you think? Yeah, I like Hunter Brown. And I think Shelly's really spot on with her analysis. You know, it's funny how she mentioned that, you know, the Astros, you know, always seem to get the most out of their pitching project, which is 100% true, except for the one that we all wanted them to get 100% out of in Forrest Whitley. That kind yeah. of, <laughs> that's the one that went the opposite way. But yeah, they, you know, guys like Framber Valdez was never a big time prospect. Christian Javier, never a big time prospect. They seem to just get these guys and get the most out of them. One of the better orgs in baseball for developing pitching and, and Hunter Brown is very intriguing. Like Shelly mentioned, he's got the good stuff. It's just if the, the command and control profile takes a step forward and, you know, he's in a great system for that to happen. He's still young. Um, if he was in, you know, a Pittsburgh or something like that, I would be uh, not as on Brown, but just the fact that he's in Houston, a great pitching development org, I think they can get the most and you know, get that at least up to around average command and control to really maximize the effectiveness of his offerings. But definitely the upside is definitely there for Hunter Brown. He could be one that shoots up rankings a lot. First of all, how dare you for that jive at Pittsburgh? How dare you, sir? It it's, it's just, it's just the org that you, <laughs> I go to because all that has gone wrong with that org. But Hey, there are, I will say Pittsburgh's on the rise. They got a really intriguing group of prospects now on, both sides of the ball. They get a lot of people. I like him. You know, Quinn Priester. I like Brennan Malone a lot. Nick Gonzalez is there now. So definitely a system that's on the rise though. Yeah. I think, I think we, we made some, I'm a Pirates fan. I think we made some good trades this year. Got some, got the depth of talent that Charrington's trying to stack. And yeah, I mean, Hey, you don't have to tell me about Houston, Houston's pitching development. They, they <laughs> turned Charlie Morton into something quite spectacular. And then they just told Garrett Cole to throw his best pitches and, if you know that's uh, the proof is in the whatever four hundred million dollars he got. Um, <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to them being able to figure out guys, and they told us Joe Musgrove is really good, and it took us a new front office to figure out you know let him throw his best pitches, and now San Diego's reaping the rewards of that. But anyway, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it definitely has been a, a tragic pitching development sort of story in, in Pittsburgh for the last few years. But hey, uh, hopefully the new. Hopefully the new the new the new people at the helm can actually can actually do some 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 stuff there. So yeah, Brown. You know, I guess the only question I have about Brown, especially with sort of the TJ, and with him relying mainly on the you know the the, the two best pitches he has in the fastball curveball, is is he going to fall victim? And I say victim only in the sense of fantasy. But is he going to fall victim to sort of some of that piggybacking that Houston does where they sort of only let guys go four innings or so. And then they, 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 they put a starter with another sort of, you know, finisher, I guess we'll call it. It's not a closer, but someone taking over for the next four innings. And that's, you know, something that I, I guess we'll have to see when, when games get played, but that's when it comes to thinking about how good he can be, if he is actually someone who can, can sport a, you know, SP two SP three type of type of ceiling, they probably will let him go a little bit longer, but that's just sort of something I'm monitoring as well with Houston is how many of their players are going to get that four inning cap and what that will mean for my, my fantasy team. And Hey, it could be four innings of seven K's at absolute, you know, dominance. And then we'll figure out the rest of the, you know, rest of the innings needed, you know, from, from other people. But that's sort of the only thing I'm, I'm sort of looking at when it comes to what Houston is doing. And uh, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Brown can do after the long layoff could be another one of these pandemic stories that is, is not a negative, but is a huge positive for him. So 
could absolutely be something to uh, to check out this year. Yeah, for sure. And if it's any consolation, one last thing about Pittsburgh, the first ever article I wrote for Fantrax back in March of 2017 was about a Pittsburgh Pirates prospect. Let's see, let's see if you can guess who it was. A Pittsburgh Pirates prospect back in 2017. Uh, who was arguably a top prospect back then? Oh, man. Um, Keller. Nope. It was a hitter. Oh, it was a hitter. Uh, was it Brian? Nope. Austin Meadows. Oh, Austin Meadows. That was yeah. the first article I ever wrote as a fantasy analyst for Fantrax four plus years ago. Yeah, well, we, uh, man, I, I try not to think of Austin Meadows that often. <laughs> um, he's just another one of those. Yeah, Shane Boz as well. I couldn't believe when we when we traded uh, for Chris Archer that the player to be named later was our first round pick. Um, that was a that was a shocker. Uh, yeah, it's it, Austin Meadows. I'm happy that he's he's found some success in uh, in Tampa Bay. He's having a weird start to the year right now, where he's just mashing home runs and walking all over the place, but he's hitting under the Mendoza line. So one of those early right. season stat lines that's sort of like, well, maybe he's actually incredible, and it's just not been falling his way. Well, it's nice. It's nice to know you got Pittsburgh roots somewhere down there, Eric. It's nice to know. It's <laughs> nice to hear about that. Glad we got you started off there. Uh, yeah, the the third guy that I want to bring to the table is another. Maybe I have a maybe I have a type. Maybe I'm just I'm not sure. I gotta I gotta check myself. But it's Matt Cantorino of the Twins, the Minnesota Twins, and he is a very bizarre pitcher to watch pitch because he has I guess I'll call it a pump fake uh, that he that he throws with. He has a giant full body convulsion uh, that is <laughs> that is coordinated and is the same. For, it. <laughs> it's very bizarre. The first time I tuned in, I was like uh pause rewind what's happening oh he does it every pitch okay so yeah he's he, he, he and that's the kind of thing you would look at and, and be worried about generally when it comes to development but he's got four above average pitches uh and he has pretty incredible fastball command and and everything is seemingly going in the right direction when it comes to his arsenal and and his breaking balls and the as of as of yet he has the the weird sort of delivery that he has is not hindering him uh when it comes to results and there were you know all, all the reports are solid and i like pitchers who seemingly have a, a decent amount of durability and also and I, you know we'll see how that durability holds up when he continues that, that pump faking but i like the durability i like the diverse pitch mix all of which he can throw with confidence and, you know, I, I'm generally a fan of, of what the Twins have been doing organizationally with some of their with some of their pitching prospects, um, you know, like Duran and Belazovic. They definitely turned uh, turned Duran sort of back into a, a more you know, he's got he's got a little bit more upside maybe than, than he had when he was toiling around with the Diamondbacks. So Cantorino is just someone he definitely has that bulldog mentality. That's certainly something I mean, you can see it when he pitches that he is just. You know, he's not going to let you win a Jenga game. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if you guys had a chance to uh, to watch Cantorino. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, Shelly, if you uh, had a chance to check out his weird pump faking situation. Yeah, this was this this was the uh, second guy that I was going to talk about uh, today before you uh, sent me your names uh, before I, you know, sent uh, sent my names to you. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really into this guy. Um, I, I, I really do like him. I like what Minnesota is doing with their pitching. You know, you got, uh, like you said, like Blazovic and Duran, just everything that they're doing there. I think that they're really coming around with their pitching developments. 
And yeah, I just really like this guy. And, you know, you don't really hear him, you know, his name bandied about a bit. Um, so I really think this is a really good name. Um, just just for, you know, you know, deeper league players. Um, I, I've scooped him up a bit because I don't know why he was sitting on the waiver wire, but I'm like, okay, I, I, I will totally jump in on this. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I think this guy is really, really going to shoot up lists um, this year. I certainly, I certainly agree. Eric, you got uh, some Cantorino thoughts for us? Yeah, I agree. He's a shoot up as well. And I'm, when I saw you put Cantorino on your list, I was really happy that you did because I've liked Cantorino for a while now, since the 2019 draft. He's been one of my favorite arms from that draft and one that is just goes unheralded to the other arms in that draft class. But yeah, the good thing though about that, that motion, well, it's kind of weird and, and all that, but it's, it's all like in the beginning part of his delivery. And once he kind of gets through that, then it's kind of a smooth delivery through through his arm motion and through his finish. So I, I don't see that really hindering him. It's just one of like those probably weird kind of start of the wind-up type of things. Uh, maybe he can use it to throw off hitter's balance too. That could be one of those deceptive, deception things. But yeah, really, really good arm speed and love the arsenal. And I think he could be... You know, I like Belazovic. I'd like Joan Duran, but I could see a future looking into the crystal ball here. Fast forward four or five years where Cantorino is the best arm to come out of the system. I really think he's that type of upside. He can miss bats at a high rate. It's shown pretty solid command and control as well. I think he could be the best one out of this bunch. So if you want to get a good potential arm on the rise, that is a very low cost in dynasty. Cantorino is a great choice. That is, that's very, that's super intriguing if that, that you think he has that much upside. Cause I'm a, I'm a big Belazovic fan and Durant's got the, got the power stuff, but could be sneaking down there. And maybe people are just discounting him because his body's not perfect and his delivery's that weird thing. But I mean, Hey, I, uh, now I'm upset that I traded him two days ago in my, in my big, <laughs> big dynasty leagues. That's very frustrating. But anyway, that we, you know, that's why we have a million leagues because then we can trade and buy and sell and all those things. Exactly. So yeah, uh, Shelly, I will. I want to round it out with you. You have a name to uh, to finish us off here before we get into the prospect survivor. Uh, yeah, this uh, this one with this last uh, this kind of like last name here. I just really decided to like really dig deep into my prospect ranks, um, and a guy that I just like really like for some reason. I don't really know why. Maybe I need to you know push him up. But anyway. Um, Colin Barber, he's an outfielder for the Houston Astros. Um, he was a fourth round pick back in 2019. Um, he was a prep bat, um, definitely, um, uh, hit tool over power. Uh, when it comes, uh, how I kind of like rank, um, uh, prospects, especially like if it's like a prep guy, I, I, it just really in a hitter. If you, if you can hit, you're probably going to be a little bit higher than me than someone who's just like all power, because I'm like, if you can hit, you probably will find, um, you know, maybe you could probably find more um, major league time than someone who's just like all power. But yeah, so he's just like, just a really, really good hit tool um, and good, nice, smooth uh, lefty swing. Um, but over the summer, like he's kind of, he started to add a little bit of muscle and he's starting to add just a little bit more power. 
So if you already have a plus hit tool and you're starting to add a little bit more power coming out of high school, sign me up. I I'm really intrigued. So if we can get, you know, a, you know, a plus hit tool with a little bit of power. Yeah, sure. He might hit like fifth, sixth, seventh. That's okay. But if you can get in a, in a deep dynasty league, if you can just get on this on, on this guy and he can be major league, uh, a major league talent, major league contributor. That's awesome. And again, like maybe I'm going back to maybe I just like Houston's development I, development system. I don't know why, um, but I just really think that if if this guy could still do what he was showing um, this past summer, I think that he could really really move up. Um, so I I kind of like this guy. Yeah, I'm right there with you when it comes to the you know, the guys that can hit and hopefully they figure out the power later. I definitely, you know, especially the, the deeper the dynasty that goes, the more I'm going to lean on that floor of a hit tool that at the very least might make them major league viable, even if they don't become major league stars. And then, you know, sort of maybe happy to, to pay for a little bit of the, uh, the fully actualized coalesced player that has the, you know, the, the full stat line that, that they're coming with. And yeah, I mean, early returns from, from rookie ball are, are not terrible. I love, uh, I love a high walk rate. Uh, and, and if he can put on some muscle, Eric, you had a chance to, to check out Colin Barber in, uh, your prospect travels. I have. Yeah. I haven't seen him live obviously, but I watched some video on him and I like him. I think he could be a well, kind of one of those guys that sneaks up on people because he doesn't have the, any really standout tools. I do like the hit tool, like Shelly mentioned, I think it's at least above average and he's not a big guy, but he's deceptively strong. Like he's only listed at six foot one ninety five, but I think he could be some, you know, around average power long-term, you know, like a 15 home run guy or so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that's some solid above average speed as well. So maybe he's a guy that's around like 15, 15 um, at peak with a, with a good average, good OBP. Like you mentioned the walk rate um, in the, in rookie ball. And that's something I love to see in, anywhere, but especially like in rookie ball, he, he was a prep bats. And well, I always preach not to take too much out of rookie ball numbers Plate approach is something that you can kind of take away from any any level. And if he was not walking a lot and striking out at a high clip, I'd be a little more worried. But the fact that he was walking at a very high clip uh, at around, where was it, 16% in rookie ball, that's very intriguing. Um, so I, I think he's definitely one. Him and Jordan Brewer, another outfielder in that system, are two that I kind of like a, a good amount. I think they could really sneak up from people. So, yeah, Colin Barber, never going to be a star, but – could be a solid, you know, regular at the, at the highest level. Yeah. And that is what we're here for. We are, we definitely need those, those solid regulars to fill out the, you know, the 20 team, 30 team lineups that we uh, might be dabbling in. And I, I, I definitely agree when it comes to that, that approach, I like to see that very early on, because if, you know, you're in rookie ball and a lot of those guys are going to be pretty wild. If you can at that level, while you're trying to make a name for yourself, have the ability to, to take what is given and not, you know, let your aggressiveness sort of take over when it comes to, to, you know, a competition that might not be throwing the most well-commanded or well-controlled arsenals. And then you're still able to do some damage. Yeah. I, it's definitely something. And then you add a solid organization on top of that. And if, if he can turn into a major league regular, maybe a little bit extra on top, if he's stealing 10 plus bases at peak, I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely want to know about that guy, especially coming out of, coming out of Houston. So I think it's a, a very good name to highlight. Well, 
we have reached, we have, we have each given the names. We have now reached the prospect survivor part of the episode. Shelly has played before. I made her pick. Oof, I tested her, her Red Sox fan American. She passed. She passed with flying colors. She kept Tristan Casas close to her heart. And she, uh, she let Andrew Vaughn just fall by the wayside. And, you know, you're obviously seeing that impact on his play right now. I'm pretty sure that's the reason he's not hitting the balls effectively. <laughs> he's, down in the, he's down in the dumps from Shelly giving him the boot. <laughs> he's very upset. He's very, he's very upset. It's, I can see it in his face. I see it in his face. I mean, you know, that's just what I see when I watch it. I think Tony LaRusso must have listened to the episode. He's like, ah, oh, this this Vaughn kid must not be any good. I'm gonna start him like three times a week. Yeah, I think I think Tony LaRusso probably does know how to use his phone. Maybe clicked on the episode accidentally, and you know now we've now we've seen the <laughs> the, uh, the the effects of that. And uh, that's just what happens when you hire someone who shouldn't be managing Major League Baseball games to hire Major League Baseball games. I think it should be a prerequisite that you should be able to maneuver an iPhone in order to set a lineup card. That's just my take. I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's just my take. Okay. So for prospect survivor, I'm going to give each of you three names, same names. And what you have to do is you have to vote someone off the Island. You have to take the other two to the final with you, hopefully win the million dollars, but you have to decide which one you are just casting aside. So I'm going to go pretty high octane here. Cause I wanted to sort of, you know, balance the, uh, the the major league regulars we're trying to figure out in the the depths of the prospect list with some some really high octane arms here and they're all from this year's draft because i'd love fancy new toys so let's see here are the three names micka bell max meyer and asa lacy you have to vote one of those off the island and you can never have them on a fantasy team and you can never reap the rewards of their career so who and I, I'll just let you anguish over it for a little bit, but uh, but Eric, who are you voting off the island of those three high-powered arms from this year's draft? I know my answer, but I don't like my answer. Ooh, that's what Prospect Survivor is all about. I I, I don't like this game already <laughs> because I, let me say I love all three of these arms, especially the one that you know Chris Clegg and I have talked about this guy a ton on Fantrax tool shed but I got to give the boot to the prep arm here as much as I hate to do it cuz he's my boy but Mick Abel I I think he could be re- realistically could be the best pitcher to come out of this draft class and he's at that that type of upside but when given the cha- the choice of picking between the prep arm and the collegiate arms I got to lean to the collegiate arm. So yeah, it's, I hate to say it, but bye-bye McAbel. Your flame is, what, what's the saying that they say at the end of the show? You've, um, I haven't watched Survivor in like a decade. What's, what's that saying when, when Jeff Probst puts the thing on the cap on the torch? The tribe has spoken. Yeah. Thank you. The tribe has spoken. There we go. I, I, I haven't watched the show. And so I, I used to watch it when I was a teenager, but um, yeah. So bye McAbel. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, I was, I was, this is, this is what I wanted to tease out. I wanted to see if you could, uh, if you could go there, Shelly, you have, uh, you have a different perspective on the, the situation. Who are you casting your vote for? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the exact same way, um, uh, you know, as, as, as Eric, uh, definitely the tribe has spoken and I really hate to see, and I really hate to just like give, you know, uh, able the boot there. Um, 
because I would, I kept seeing him fall in the draft. I'm like, Oh, are the Red Sox actually going to get him? But of course they did not. Me too. Um, I was hoping. <laughs> I, know, I, I was just watching the draft last summer. I'm like, yes, yes, no. Um, but anyway, uh, I love the talent. I love the talent of Nick Abel, but I mean, you can't, Lacey and Meyer are just so, so good and just a little bit more polished. We know a little bit more about them. So that's what makes me lean them more than Abel. But Abel really could just just totally blow blow up and just be like a dude. Um, so I don't hate him. Just in this scenario, yeah, the tribe is spoken. Yep. No, it's uh, it, it can... I, I would, ha- I mean, I'd have to agree. I've, I've had my guy, Nate Handy in my ear, just talking about the volatility of, of everything that comes out of the prep ranks. And it's tough. It's very enticing when you see what, what, uh, what Mick can bring to the table, but you know, the, the established, I also like, you know, I like the Royals organization recently for, for some arm development, definitely like what the Marlins are doing. They yeah. have all their guys dialed in. I mean, it's getting to the point there. If you're a Marlins arm that I'm just, mm. I'm, I'm definitely all in on you. I mean, Trevor Rogers is just anyone who got in on that Trevor Rogers game this year is certainly reaping those early rewards. So I just on the strength of, uh, of college versus prep, I think I, I would have to vote out about make a bell as well. It does hurt because, you know, you, you could give up that, that upside that is just through the roof, but um, I don't know. I tend to chase those floors a little bit more. So Lacey and Meyer got to stay and uh yeah, we got to snuff that torch of Mr. Mick. He's gone. He is gone. Well, yeah, no, you see, it's it's tough. It's very difficult when you have to choose between all these great players. It's it's much easier when there's an obvious like, oh, I like this guy the best, the best, and the other two are great. But when you got to vote someone off, it gets real, gets real hurtful. Well, while I have you both here, I think Shelly, you and I chatted about this a few weeks ago, but man, a lot has changed. Do you both feel that Jack Leiter is going to be the number one overall pick coming up? Or uh, is there going to be some shocker that the Pirates, uh, you know, decide to save money or something? <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to go that route, I mean, saving money. I don't think they're going under slot at one. But, yeah, I do think right now, if the draft happened today, I do think Jack Leiter is number one. Yeah, I've gone back and forth between him and, and Kumar Rocker, who I think will probably go two or three. Both these guys are going to be top three picks. Uh, but I think just Leiter's a little bit more polished than, than Rocker is. Uh, so, yeah, I do think I, I would love if one of them would, you know, more so probably Rocker would fall to four to, uh, you know, Shelly and my Red Sox. That would be great. And uh, I might be a little bit of wishful thinking there. But, yeah, I do think Lighter is number one as of now. Shelly? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I do think that Lighter is probably going to go number one. And kudos to you. I just remember like in the off season where like baseball America had like lighter falling to like five or six. I'm like, there is no way there is no way. And then now he's just, you know, number one. Yeah. I, I really do think that it's going to be um, lighter going number one, maybe Lawler, maybe Lawler. If, if, you know, Pittsburgh like really wants to, do some interesting things there um because i do think Lawler's pretty good but i i do think it's going to be uh lighter yeah you you voiced my only fear yeah which... i was like <laughs> your, your face didn't look like you liked that <laughs> no because i i just i i know that you know the it feels like the pitching depth for 
I mean, we took almost all pitchers last year after Gonzalez, uh, right? Like we, we loaded up with Nick Garcia and Jared Jones and, and Carmen. Oh man, I haven't even. Majinski. Majinski. I was like, I, I used to know how to say that, but then it, it, took, it, took, it took me a bit to figure that one out too. I was like, the ML was just throwing me off here. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, it definitely sounds like a Bond villain should be saying that for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, and that's, that's the only thing that worries me, you know, and then Priester's popping and, uh, and Hey, Brew Baker's pitching well this year. So maybe the Pirates yeah. would be like, Oh, the pitching is maybe pretty good. Maybe we should get another hitter. And I, ah, terrifies me so much. I'm much happier poning up like $10 million of, uh, of the owner's money for, uh, for Jack Leiter, just to lock it in. I hope, I hope we do that. I think it could, uh, could be fantastic. He's just done so much this year. That's just otherworldly that I, I, I don't know. I think the headlines alone, if I was Charrington, I'd just be like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't, I can't put myself out there like that. Everything's going well. Just take the easy layup. Don't overthink it. Yeah. And as a Red Sox fan that went through several years of Charrington, you know, while I kind of question some of his moves at the major league level, the dude knows player development. The, the dude knows talent. He was very, very good at that. So I, I would be confident that he makes the right call here and goes with, you know, a collegiate arm and probably lighter. So I, I don't think – I won't be too worried about them going another direction. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely something. And, and you both have, have enjoyed, you know, some of that. And I, I tend to agree. Maybe it's a match made in heaven for Charrington and Pittsburgh, because, Hey, yeah. you can't spend a single dime on the free agent market. That's not available <laughs> to you. So what you need to do is, you know, get, get trade off all the pieces, get, get, get the talent in the farm system draft. Well, I mean, Charrington is the guy, if I'm not mistaken, took bets in the fifth round, right? I believe he was. Yeah. I believe he was around then. I think Bet, so. Bets was drafted in 20. Oh, uh, what year was he drafted? 2011, 2012, I think. I think that was when Charrington was still just, you know, he wasn't GM then, but he was still like the, you know, just like the player development guy at that point in time. Well, if, if we can find a Mookie Betts in the fifth round, uh, (laughs) yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, well, that's, that's all I can do is, is, uh, sit there and cross my fingers and uh, swig on my rum. So yeah, uh, I, I want to thank you both for, for coming on tonight, Eric, uh, what uh, you got going on? Anything happening in fan tracks you want to plug before we uh, get off here? Yeah. I've got a, a couple articles. I do weekly. I do at least two articles weekly waiver wire on Friday. And then earlier in the week, usually on Tuesday, I do like a dynasty slash prospects focus piece. And then I'll fit in a third here and there when my time allows of my updated top 500 dynasty rankings out probably on Thursday and I'm making my last second tinkerings with those. And yeah, just the, the two um, podcasts, Fantrax Toolshed with Chris Clegg and the five tool podcast with Jesse Roche and Jake Devereaux. Awesome. You definitely need to clue into those, check those out. I have listened to hours and hours and hours of that before I became a podcast myself and I still do. You guys do fantastic work over there. Oh man, no, I I appreciate it, Eric, because I had about eight ten hours a day to drive, and your amazing voice serenaded <laughs> me for a healthy amount of those hours, sir. For a healthy I mean, amount of those hours, I'm no Derek Van Riper or Doug Ishikawa or all those great podcast voice. Chris Clegg, my co-host, was Matthew McConaughey of the fantasy world. Um, but yeah, I I think I love doing it. Uh, I definitely think I've gotten better as a podcaster. That was something I was a little new on when we started these two podcasts last year, but yeah, it's, it's fun just to, just to talk baseball with 
knowledgeable baseball mind. And then Shelly's been on both of our shows. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I listened to hours and hours of Shelly at the, at the dynasty guru and, and dynasty's child and all those things. And I got to say, Shelly, I really enjoyed your article uh, on the dynasty guru recently, just talking about just the fantasy world being a little bit nicer to each other. You know, I just, just wanted to, to shout that out as a, just a great piece. And, you know, Absolutely. just really, really appreciate the perspective you're coming with there because I have found it to be very inclusive, but every now and again, the dragon rears its head and we need to, uh, to check ourselves. So, but yeah, I just wanted to, to shout that out and, 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 you know, just appreciate, uh, that perspective that you, that you brought to the, the Twitter sphere and, and the internet in general, cause we needed it. We needed it. And you got anything going on uh, that you wanted to plug over the dynasty guru as the, uh, you know, the, one of the editors over there. Uh, well, I just really, really, uh, thank uh, you and Eric um, for, you know, just, you know, just saying how much you appreciated that article. Like it was just kind of, just kind of like a, uh, just things that I kind of saw and like, okay, I just need to write something about what I'm saying. So yes, thank you. Uh, yes. Just basically everyone just be kind to everyone. That's all I just, just be kind anyway. Um, so what I write about um, over at the dynasty guru, I kind of write kind of bi-weekly um, just kind of like, just kind of my, my thoughts about baseball, thoughts about fantasy baseball, just kind of whatever I'm thinking about, I kind of write over there about. I also podcast weekly there as well on Dynasty's Child. And I you can also find me on Over the Monster if you care to listen to my mini Red Sox thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, check her out everywhere. Um, she is, I mean, you write for, for most sites, I would say these days, and you got, you got a couple of pods and yeah, I mean, actually, you know what, while I, uh, while I have you both here, I just, I'm curious, we got, we got Eric, we did, we did something over at the dynasty guru. Cause I contribute over there as well. Where are you at? You're a dynasty team, Eric, you're coming into your window. You got Fernando Tatis jr. Right now. Are you holding are you selling? What's your thoughts? I'm holding 100% because I think anybody you try to trade with is going to try to sneak in a slightly lower offer because, oh, he had the shoulder injury and they'll try to use that against him. But Tatis is the type of player that you just don't trade because it doesn't matter if you're contending or rebuilding or somewhere in the middle going one way or the other. He fits every team mold, right? Like it'd be something if he was like Mike Trout's age, like Mike Trout is a guy that if you're, if you're starting to go the opposite way or your team is not contending for a few years, I could see an entertaining a trade for like a Mike Trout or a Mookie Betts guys in their upper twenties. But what's Tatis 22? Is he even 23 yet? I don't think he is. Yeah. If, I think he, if he is, he turned it today. Yeah. I was like, at, at the most he's 23 with that immense upside. And yeah, the shoulder does concern me a little bit. He's had a couple of those issues already, but I would need to absolutely be blown away by an offer that at first glance looks like it could be vetoed <laughs> if your league has those. That's the type of offer it would take for me to trade that piece right now. Yeah, and Shelly, are you holding? You selling? What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm still. I'm still holding. Um, I mean, with with the shoulder, yeah, it, it's very concerning. Um, and. <sighs> If you're going for it this year, maybe, but again, I would still have to be floored for it because again, like if it's in like a dynasty um, or, or keeper league type of situation, 
I would still need to be floored because I still believe in his talent and maybe he would, you know, get some type of like small surgery in the off season to kind of uh, stabilize his, his shoulder just a little bit. So it's not a big thing, but yeah, I, I, I'm still holding unless I'm just blown away. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably shopping very hard to see what I can get. And uh, I would have been texting every league mate after that home run he hit when he came back in the Dodger series, just to see like, Hey, he's fine. What do you want to do? Cause I'm definitely, you know, worried about that shoulder long-term and worried about him tinkering a little bit to, to make sure he doesn't re-injure himself, but it's, it's hard to get off the train, even with, you know, a potential shoulder injury. Cause hey, modern medicine is uh, quite something. And there is a <laughs> lot of money invested in these dudes. So they're, they're definitely going to leave uh, no tendon uncut as it were. Well, uh, it, uh, it's been a pleasure having you both on. I uh, just want to, again, thank you for, uh, for spending the time and, you know, we can all get back to watching a little bit of baseball, having some dinner, maybe if you haven't already yet. And uh, yeah, you can, you can catch Shelly at Shelly V underscore six, four, three on Twitter. You can catch Eric at Eric cross. Oh, four, Eric. That's correct. Yep. Oh, four for the Boston Red Sox. Oh my, you know, I actually was wondering if that was just an auto give it. No, it's not. It means something to him. Oh, four. Well, four is my lucky number as well. I wore four playing baseball growing up. And then, you know, I was figuring what to put on with my name when I made my handle. I'm like, you know what? Red Sox. Oh, four. Throw that on there. Yeah, that's that's not bad. That is not bad at all. I can't can't fault you for that in the least bit. Well, again, uh, thanks so much for coming on. We are going to wrap it up here. We went a little long on this pod, but that is a tradition here at Pitcher List. So, uh, yeah, for Shelly V and Eric Cross, I am Kyle Brown. Catch me at Caught Looking with a V instead of a U, the Roman way. And check out the pod at On the Farm PL. Check out all the Pitcher List pods at Pitcher List Pods. And uh, there's just a crazy amount of uh, content coming out right now. And this podcast is going to explode when I get minor league games. But yeah, again, Shelly, Eric, thank you so much. Hope you guys both have an amazing night. Thanks.